0: Welcome to What the Plasma, the podcast where you'll learn more about the importance of blood and plasma. Fine tune your knowledge about this highly misunderstood industry and hear interviews with patients, donors, and people on the front lines. Let's get started with your host, Mason St. Felix. Welcome to What the Plasma. I am your host, Mason St. Felix, founder and CEO of iPlasma. This episode continues our mini series introducing different advocacy and support organizations within the plasma industry. Today we are sitting down with Luba Sovolevsky, executive director of the Immunoglobulin National Society, also known as IGNS. IGNS is a professional organization dedicated to developing and sustaining the advancement of knowledge education in the practice of nursing and pharmacy in the field of immunoglobulin therapy. I'm excited to have Luba join us right after this short break.
1: Over one million patients with rare and chronic diseases rely on plasma. Your plasma donation helps people live healthier and happier lives. Become a donor today. Find a center near you on iplasma.life.
0: All right, Luba, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining with the plasma. How's it going today?
1: Doing great. Thank you so much, Mason. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate you doing this. And so this this week, we, we've been um, and For the next few episodes, we're jumping into introducing different organizations within plasma or that are associated with plasma that may or may not be well known to um, both the plasma audience, like people at a center or donors, and even those outside of plasma that that follows this podcast and really thought it'd be great to start with, um, you know, with the IGNS and and I'll be completely honest with you. IGNS did not pop up on my radar and and he he said, Hey, you've got oh, to talk yeah. to Luba. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sent me back, he said, You've got to talk to Luba. And he told me a little bit about, about uh the organization and I'm and I'm just sitting here, how do I go ten years in this organ in this industry and have not <laughs> known about it?
1: <laughs> well I gotta thank my friend Alan, with whom I've worked for many, many years in different capacities. So <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, why don't you just why don't you share a little bit about you know who is IGNS, uh, what what is the story behind the organization, and and you know like help us understand what what's the what is it that your or your organization do?
1: Sure, sure. I'd love that. Um, so, IGNS, which stands for Immunoglobulin National Society is the only multidisciplinary standard-setting healthcare association that is dedicated to the practice of immune globulin. And immune globulin is used in such a variety of different clinical fields that it is very difficult for any healthcare association to guide its practice uh, and the practice of um, other therapies that are, if it were, disease-focused. So instead of that, we started an organization that focuses on providing standards of practice, developing systematic education, professional certification, and other very important resources for clinicians, but focusing entirely on the field of immunoglobulin. And that's what sets us apart from many other organizations is that focus, first of all, right? So it's on IG therapy, and it's the fact that it's multidisciplinary. So very few professional organizations include nurses, pharmacists, physicians, other clinicians, the industry, and now also most recently the patients as well.
0: Yeah that that makes your organization absolutely unique cuz it operates as this central hub that kind of brings different facets of the industry together. So how do you balance that and and you know really grow and build that that relationship amongst all of these groups?
1: I mean that's always been the focus of ours because it's really it, it was the impetus for starting IGMS it's the one thing that we knew was missing. Um, In our registry uh, that we did back in 2012, when we found out that over 85% of newly hired nurses and pharmacists did not receive appropriate training and 90% were not required to keep up with the developments in their own field through continuous education, meaning IG nurses, IG pharmacists, which that that designation didn't even exist at that point, we're getting most of their continuing education in fields outside of immune globula. And so we set out to really change that. And once we were in it, we realized there's also very little collaboration and communication between clinical societies, industry organizations, patient advocacy groups manufacturers and providers and hospitals. And so every one of these entities had their own um, groups of interest or associations um, or they just, and they were not connected in any way and they weren't collaborating or communicating. And so it was really crucial for us to bring everyone to the table and make sure everyone has a seat at the table at IGNS, and we that multidisciplinary collaborative approach is something that drives us forward, and that's really central to who we are as an organization.
0: Yeah, and so one of, one of the key things that um, you know when when we spoke last week, um, you mentioned about just the collaboration and the. The focus around uh, adding the patients to that mix, right? So it's rare that you would see an organization that has, you know, the suppliers, the physicians, manufacturers, other, other organizations, other patient organizations, but also bring in the patients into that conversation. And that had to be a pretty deliberate choice is really adding them into the mix. And what really drove you to, to doing that and going in that direction?
1: Yeah, it was very deliberate. Um, we, for years, were focusing on improving the standards, of, first of all, developing the standards of practice that didn't exist at all prior to what IGNS started to do, uh, developing certification for clinicians, nursing and pharmacy certification to measure someone's clinical expertise and, and skills. Education and all of the all of the professional resources. So we're focusing on improving this field and making patient care more robust, comprehensive, safe, etc. And our focus has been entirely that. Uh, and, and remember, we walked into a field that was in, devoid of of any standards or resources or education in our field of Ig therapy, and we created immune globulin as a. We established it as a clinical specialty for nurses and pharmacists. So there's been a lot of work and and just incredible achievements uh, that have supported this field and supported our clinicians. Obviously, all of this is done for the betterment of patients' lives, for improvement of the care that they receive, uh, for the improvement of their outcomes. But we weren't measuring that. And in our close collaboration with so many patient advocacy associations who do just remarkable work in connecting their patients with resources, we became, um, we, we started to, to understand that we shouldn't continue to develop education and standards and, and all these resources if we don't really know how it's affecting patient care. Obviously, we've been doing a lot for clinicians, but the question is what impact has it had on the patients and how do we know? And so with that idea, we started the patient 360, which is the IGNS patient 360 program, which has multiple parts. One of them is a conference for patients that takes place during the IGNS conference itself. And and the other part is very importantly, it's a research study that we're conducting as a survey with patients longitudinally year after year, and we assess a variety of endpoints. And we learn from the patients about how practice has changed from their perspective. Are clinicians doing any better? Are we doing a better job in um, keeping their access to their product of choice open? Are they suffering from various uh, effects of IG that could potentially be mitigated or prevented with better care. So a lot of the things that we address through our standards, education, certification, all of our programs, we are now in direct communication with patients. So on the one hand, we provide them with this incredible opportunity to come together with patients from different diagnoses, not just their own disease states, and discover how much in common they have because they're all receiving IG therapy. And there's so much in common. And it's very interesting that things that we previously thought were disease specific are now clear that it's actually therapy specific. And there's a lot of research that can come out of these findings. So it's, it's an exciting time to be, um, to be getting this information. Um, we are. It's very empowering to bring patients together and to really ask them, uh, how we can work for them, what we can do to improve their care, and they're very vocal. Patients who receive Ig generally are uh, from different diagnoses, but by and large, they're rare diseases, and the patients in these disease groups tend to be very well educated about their, their condition what we're finding is that there is still a really huge need in education about IG therapy itself for these patients. And so we work with the patients and the patient foundations who we bring into this meeting as well. And we both provide them an education in IG. We bring pharmacists, nurses, physicians, speakers who really educate and inspire patients and provide them with information. And we have these networking events where Patients can get to know each other at the same time they can find out. And so it's, it's really, um, it, it's very important for us to listen to our patients and to make the findings from this patient listening available to clinicians so they can understand exactly where the practice is going, where it's lacking, and where we're doing well.
0: So this, this kind of, this really, uh, you know, this situation or this, um, the pandemic, COVID-19 has put um, the overall industry in this unique space. And I'm curious, how are you guys, how are you navigating it? Uh, but also, how are you helping all of your other partners navigate through this um, and, and come out on the other side, you know, even more stronger and, and better.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, every one of us has been affected, and it's been both. Um, it's been difficult on many levels, and and obviously, we weren't prepared for anything like this. No one was. We've been receiving. Um, very conflicting guidance, even from uh, the CDC and the uh, World Health Organization, because their scientists and clinicians are learning all of this as they go as well. So that's par for the course, but obviously is unnerving for those um, of us who are clinicians, who are frontline, who are seeing patients. From an association standpoint, we've had to mobilize immediately and Start to understand what the critical needs are. And beyond PPE and shortages that we've had in supplies, I mean, there were weeks where we couldn't talk about anything else, and we were trying to connect um, this industry with resources as much as we could. But beyond those shortages in, in the supplies, There are shortages in healthcare professionals. There are uh, clinicians who can't work or have been called into the front lines. And so the area of immune globulin practice is really was was quite a bit of turbulence. There were physician practices that were closing down for periods of time. There was telemedicine that was being implemented that no one has worked with before. There were issues and questions about reimbursement. There was an influx of patients who are normally uh, being infused in hospitals or infusion centers into the home sector. And the home infusion sector was also suffering from not having enough resources, human resources included. And so it was truly, as we all saw, a crisis on, on so many levels. And we've seen such incredible human sacrifice. Uh, and our patient population is, is at risk inherently with um, a lot of immune compromised patients. And so th- that the stakes are even even higher. And so it's, it's been an interesting ride. What we've done immediately was start developing resources for clinicians who are treating patients with immune globulin, At the same time, developing resources for patients. Um, who are receiving IG, sometimes in a very new setting to them if they have been transitioned. And so we took the CDC guidance, we, we took the WHO guidance, we looked at what organizations are doing, and we developed a, uh, a guideline for IG therapy during COVID-19. It included a lot of parameters on how to um, triage patients, how to contact patients ahead of the treatment, what to do at the patient's home or at the clinic. And similarly, for patients, we wanted to make sure they're ready for a nurse who comes in wearing protective personal equipment, for example, that's very different, or they're asked for their uh, family members or caregivers to be distancing during the infusion. We also know that there's a lot of fear on the side of the healthcare professionals right now who are walking into Uh, someone's home to treat them with IG therapy, or they're working in an infusion suite where they're giving those infusions, there's a lot of fear um, and there's a lot of anxiety among healthcare professionals uh, because obviously they're at risk for contracting COVID-19. And our job is to make sure to address these as well as to address the important standards of practice that that are specific to immune-globulin therapy. To ensure that those are not compromised in any way because of all the other factors that they have going on. For example, um, there's still you know, IG therapy with its complexities and sometimes unpredictable nature requires that our nurse stay by the patient's bedside throughout the infusion. And so no matter what the situation is, we have to make sure that nurse is safe. So we have to make sure the family, The patient, the patient themselves aren't exhibiting any symptoms, but also make sure that there are distancing um, in place with the family and other people in the home to make sure the nurse is safe. But that nurse cannot leave the patient. They cannot just start an infusion and walk away or sit in their car, or these are all inappropriate practices. So we're getting ahead of uh, this, this COVID 19 wave. To ensure we put in place guidance, and if we have information, we have some control over the situations they're walking into.
0: Yeah, and and when you look at this, this is not something that is is looking to be a short term thing, right? It's it's like this is probably here, and it's here to be here for a while. Um, so what? How do you? How do you? You know? How does the organizations and how to? How do you guys move forward? Um, uh, to, you know past this and, and as you look ahead what challenges do you see um, that will that will need to have some solutions thought of for
1: well I think number one is we need to continue to listen to our clinicians to our to providers to companies that that um, utilize our standards that treat patients with IG, to physicians to nurses pharmacists uh, we um, need to stay informed. I think information is everything. If we know what's happening, we can address it. Obviously, this health crisis is unlike anything we've ever experienced, but is it our last one? Uh, no one knows, but now we, what we do know is where our system broke down and how to fix it, how to plug those holes going forward and what we need. And so one thing that we are um, working on is creating um, IGNS town halls where we have, we bring in experts, um, epidemiologists, microbiologists, physicians who treat patients with immune globulin, uh, nurses, pharmacists, and, and we're going to do a series to identify key issues and to bring experts to provide answers or food for thought. Or, and all of this will lead to our continuous update of the standards of practice and continuous understanding of what is critically needed. So we really, uh, we have our ear to the ground at all times. We're listening. We develop resources that are needed and we do this in a very timely way. I think that going forward, we have several challenges in our field. One of them actually is plasma and shortages in plasma. So obviously during pandemics and natural disasters, the number of donors who are traveling to donation centers decreases, and we've seen a uh, quite a significant decline in plasma donations. And IG therapy, or along with all other plasma protein therapies, rely on the donors for our starting material for these life-saving therapies. And we have a critical issue ahead of us because in about 12 to 18 months, we are going to have shortages in the supply of many of our plasma-derived therapies, including Ig immunoglobulin, unless we improve significantly plasma supply now. And so we've created a campaign that's called It's My Turn. And this campaign uh, serves several purposes, but mainly it's here to educate and raise awareness about plasma and plasma donation and to increase the number of donors who are donating plasma. And also to clarify how plasma donation is different from whole blood, how they're both needed, but how different they are. And um, I think that there's, there's definitely not enough understanding and education in, in, among the public what those are. And so It's My Turn is about 10 weeks strong and it's been gaining a lot of traction and it's being endorsed by a lot of organizations. So we're playing um, an important role in ensuring plasma supply is maintained and increased. That's that's really a big challenge. Uh, We'll also have obviously challenges with access to therapy. We have patients who are... Losing jobs, we know 40 million people in the United States file for unemployment. So lots of of patients are losing their jobs. And with that comes a loss of insurance coverage. And insurance coverage leads to switching of IG brands. And that leads to complications in um, just the way we administer. And so we have to raise awareness on what happens to patients when you switch from one IG brand to another and how carefully we need to treat that uh, first several infusions. And so there are protocols in place in the IG therapy standards of practice. We need to make sure that everyone has access and IGNS has actually released the IGNS standards completely free of charge during the COVID-19 epidemic to make sure that there are no barriers to, to obtaining those. So those are available on our website um generally reimbursement is an issue in this field and we we'll, we continue to work with industry partners on on improving that as well and i think that overall and overarchingly we need a very strong collaboration between healthcare teams between physician specialists between neurologists and immunologists all of our patients are very um they have a variety of disorders and and they're complex and they have a multiple multitude of diagnoses and they cannot be treated just symptomatically and they cannot be treated by individual physicians who don't communicate and so that's been one of our our goals and certainly is a challenge Um, everyone's constrained but that collaboration is critical but Beyond that, we need collaboration between physicians and specialty pharmacies and pharmacists and nurses. So, patient care, especially in IG in this very complex field, cannot successfully happen without that close collaboration between clinicians and teams. And that's why on the IGNS side, our educational approach it has always been multidisciplinary because if, if we practice together we shouldn't learn separately so education together is really important
0: yeah no that that's that's absolutely right and i think one one thing that we see from this entire situation is that it's it, it's it provided in, in a way it's kind of good because it kind of opened up and pointed at the like really highlighted the holes. Um, that needs to be addressed and, and the things that, um, you know, have probably been problems, but gone on notice that we, we now know like, hey, here's where we really truly need to dedicate some time and solution. And, and you're seeing that across um, all aspects of this industry from um, from plasma donations, donor recruitment to um, you know, patient access, um, you know, on the other end. So it, it's covering, but it's really showing that. And and I think that um, one of the challenges ahead is going to be, you know, people taking those things and starting to really run with the different solutions and and really championing those things to, to make change um, as we move forward.
1: Absolutely. And I think that now more than ever, we need standardization in our field when crises happen we tend to kind of we're drinking from the fire hose and we're trying to plug up all these holes and we're trying to do the best with the best intentions yeah but we know that when we practice under these conditions following a standard of practice creates some safe practice it it provides a roadmap It provides uh a an acceptable and also legally defensible framework within which to practice. So that's also really important uh, to remember because we are focused on on the pandemic right now, but our patients are still suffering from the same diseases. So they still have their immune deficiency or an autoimmune disorder or or sometimes combinations. Very often, and so we can't take our eyes off that target. We can't forget that besides the pandemic and all of everything with what that it brings, our patients still rely on us to provide the most, the highest level of care um, and that we have resources in place to support that practice. But we also obviously have to adopt and adapt to our new situations and create additional standards and, and, and follow that guidance. And that's, that's the bulk of the work that we've been doing and, and leading um, this field in, in the last several months. Yeah.
0: Um, so if, for those that are listening, if they wanted to learn more about IGNS um, and, and you know, uh, just, look into it a little bit more. How can they find you? What's your website? Um, What's the the best way to to get in contact with the organization?
1: Yeah, so our website is um, www.ig-ns.org. And you can subscribe free of charge to our newsletters and announcements. Uh, I really encourage you to become a member. uh, Take a look at our Online learning library. We have hundreds of hours of continuing education. Uh, We have podcasts, uh, resources, publications. All of that is available on the website. Um, Our national conference takes place October 22nd through the 25th. You can find more information about it um, on the same website. Uh, We are going to have a hybrid live and virtual meeting this year to accommodate everything that's been going on, but um, it's going to be an incredible meeting. We are so excited to have a meeting. Uh, A lot of things have been canceled this year, so we're really looking forward to being together as an industry, as a community, to, to heal, to reconvene, to restart our education, and to network, and we'll be able to connect um, hundreds of clinicians, both live on site and virtually through our immersive conference platform.
0: I appreciate it, Luba, and thank you very much for for joining us today. And um, definitely look forward to learning more about IGNS um, and and working with you in the future.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
0: I want to thank Luba for joining our show. You can learn more about IGNS by visiting ig-ns.org. That's our show, everyone. Until next time, don't forget, be the difference, because patients are counting on it. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Plasma. To download this episode, plus more, go to whattheplasma.life or anywhere streaming podcasts. While you're there, make sure to subscribe. Also, don't forget to join the iPlasma Life community on your favorite social media platform. Catch you on the next episode. Until then, don't forget, you are the difference. So be the difference. Patients are counting on you.